Welcome to the Script Podcast. I'm Alex Shimmings, one of Script's executive editors, and today I'm here with my colleague Ian Lloyd, who is Senior Director for Farmer Projects, to talk about a report he's just written, the Farmer Projects Farmer R&D Annual Review 2021. So recently in Script, I've published a couple of articles and an infographic that were based on this report, which takes a very close look at trends in the pharma and biotech R&D scene. But my stories really just skim the surface of the data that's included. Ian's been writing this R&D review for many years, and it's given him a unique perspective on the industry and how its R&D efforts have changed over the decades. So Ian, would you like to introduce yourself a bit further and give the listeners a summary of what's in your report? Yeah, hi, Alex. Um, So I'm the Senior Director for Pharma Projects, which is Informa Pharma Intelligence's uh, drug pipeline R&D database. So we track drugs all the way through any any, um, industry-sponsored drugs um, for any therapeutic area, right the way through from early preclinical stages through the clinical development stages through the registration stages and on uh, up to and including launch. So uh, the database has actually been existed since 1980. And so it goes back, we've got a long, a long uh, history of data. Uh, and every year I, I write a report called the Pharma R&D Review, where I kind of look at the, the pipeline as it is uh, today and compare it to a year ago, look, look for, for trends emerging. You know, we, we, we analyze the data by all, all, kinds of di- all different kinds of metrics. So which are the top companies, top therapies, top mechanisms, top uh, targets, diseases, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and with having this big um, kind of uh, long tail of data, we can you know use that to observe trends in the pharma R&D industry. Uh, cool. And I also produce a, a supplement to it as well, which looks at the, the what we call the NAS supplement. So it looks at the new active substance drugs that were brought to the market during the past year to, again, see how, how successful the industry are doing at kind of the, the, the output end of the pipeline. So it's quite a hard, hard metric, really, the pure number of drugs that are coming out that are novel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we 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 use all the information from the public domain, but we're not kind of influenced by any any third party. So you can you can take the data as being, you know, this is what's really genuinely happening and not not just a, an opinion. Yes. So it's a bit of a labour of love, really, isn't it? How long have you been writing the actual review rather than the database itself? Yeah, so I think I first started the review in 1993, and to, to give you a bit of background, so in those days, Farm Projects was a, a print publication, and we used to have an annual uh, print date in May where we used to reprint all of the all of the drug profiles, the many thousands of drug profiles, and send that to our subscribers around the world. So it became. I a bit remember of, that. Yeah, yeah, That's the main volume. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I did work for Pharma Projects for three years back in the 1990s, and, and that's bringing back a lot of memories. Yes, indeed, the annual review. Indeed. Yeah, so so it kind of made sense as we had this kind of like new volume every year uh, to kind of like take a look at what was in that volume and compare it to what was in the previous volume. And in those days, we had just little kind of a monthly newsletter that also went out out to subscribers called Executive Briefing. So I think I first started doing a little annual review in there, probably just looking at the total number of drugs in R&D, top companies and top therapy areas and mechanisms, I think. So it was quite quite brief, um, but it kind of was popular. And it, I guess it kind of grew and grew from there. It's not brief anymore, is it? Certainly so how, not. <laughs> how long does it take you to, to actually put this report together each year? 
Um, so usually my, my kind of first act after the, the Christmas holidays uh, in the new year is I do the kind of the data cut. I try to do all of the data cut on, on the same day. So we're always, you know, comparing the same piece of information and then it, to to kind of put all the, all the analyze the data and then do the writing probably takes another three weeks, sometimes four weeks, depending on what else I, I have kind of on my plate at the time. So, yeah, it takes takes a, a little while to kind of put it together and kind of, you know, write it in a in a lively and interesting way hopefully mm. and do subscribe i mean you get a lot of interest from subscribers about this review are they clamoring to get this year's copy yeah it seems to become kind of quite well known obviously being having been done for like 18 19 years now um, people do kind of ask when it's coming out which is nice and you know i get to pings on my social media asking about it um and yes people seem to like it and yeah not just subscribers as well you know we do offer it as a free download to anybody really um because it showcases our data so we get a lot of interest uh, outside of our subscriber base as well mm. well i'm always interested to see it because i write i mean i think for the last five or six years i've been writing stories in script um, based on these reports which are always really popular with our readers as well yeah um, and of course you help me with the, with the the nas report as well oh, yes <laughs> Yes, I do do quite a lot of work on that as well. Uh, that, that's a joint. Well, no, I think you do most of the work, to be fair. I'm just um, helping out at the edges, I think. Yeah, um, that actually takes probably a bit longer than the main report, because uh, as you know, Alex, we yeah. the thing we have to do for that, first of all, is get our definitive list of the drugs that definitely were launched during the previous calendar year. Yeah. Which, which can be a lot more difficult than it sounds. You know, we often... We often know that drugs are approved because companies press release that a lot, but to actually determine whether they've def definitely been launched or not can be quite tricky, particularly if they're in non-major markets, which mm. you know, they are increasingly these days. So that's the real effort that you that you you and I kind of do together, and we also kind of use our like, sources at the FDA as well to help with that. So that's quite an undertaking. Although that report is shorter, it probably takes longer to put together in total yeah. because getting that list absolutely 100%. Yes, it's so much more difficult. I mean, there are lots of lists of, you know, drugs that have been approved by the FDA or, or perhaps the EMA during the year. And we, we actually do stories about those in, in early January because the data is so much more easy to get. Whereas what you're doing here with the worldwide launches, is it's, it's a completely different kettle of fish, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's amazing, actually, how many drugs go all the way through to approval and then sometimes never get launched for, mm. for all sorts of bizarre reasons. But we we decided to look for, look for the drugs that actually made it on the, to the market and are being used. So, yeah, uh, it can be quite difficult to nail those down. I think we had a we had a list this year of about 60 or 70 unknowns at, at the start, which we kind of managed to kind of hammer down over a period of weeks to get the, the full list. Yeah, good stuff. So over the years, what are the most um, interesting trends that you've seen in pharma R&D? Um, I can think of a few things. So I think in terms of like uh, an interesting journey in terms of ups and downs, I would probably single out gene therapy as being mm. particularly interesting. You know, it, be, it became it was very popular in the in the 90s. Um, and then I think around the, the turn of the millennium, um, there were some negative clinical trial results kind of before we really had anything on the market. And you can actually see in our data 
this, this cause a downturn in the in the number of gene therapies in R&D. Mm. Um, but then, as probably most people know, it's had a huge upswing in the last few years. And now with the kind of original in vivo gene therapies being joined by ex vivo gene therapies and things like CAR T, it's absolutely skyrocketed. But it's really in, it's really interesting. Whereas most curves just go kind of upwards, this has had a real kind of up and down, real uh, rocky journey. Um, U-shaped curve there. Indeed. And in terms of things going upwards, I think the thing that is never ceases to amaze me is how every single year in all the years I've been writing it, the number of the percentage of number of drugs and the percentage of, of the pipeline, which are these drugs, has gone up. Um, never ceases to amaze me is is oncology. So not only is the number of drugs gone up every single year, um, but the percentage of drugs which oncology provides so that the pipeline as a whole has gone up. And you, mm. every year you think it can't go up anymore, and it does. I mean, it just the focus of uh, pharma R&D is so oncology focused at the moment, even despite the year we've had with, with COVID. You know, it's around about 40% of all drugs are in development for some form of cancer. And of course, in the last few years, we've had this huge a wave of immuno-oncology drugs that have come along yeah. just from nowhere and then suddenly that's now the most popular mechanism of all drugs in R&D. Mm. I think one of the metrics that I kind of like to watch over the years is the proportion you divide the pipeline between um, you know, biological and, and new chem you know, chemical entities and that's slowly creeping up as well but it's not been as dramatic as the rise in, in cancer has it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So the split between kind of small molecules and biologicals was I think about uh 80 20 um at the beginning of the 90s and now it's got to about 60 40 so and every year again the the, the percentage of biologicals just just creeps up a little bit more mm. so real another real interesting long-term trend yeah the other metric that i found really interesting is obviously you know we hear a lot from pharma companies about how they're focusing on particular therapeutic areas but when we look at the data that you provide it looks like all the top ones actually have a far broader pipeline um, in terms of therapeutic areas than you would imagine. Yeah, that was a real surprise. We actually kind of um, restructured some of our data a couple of years ago to, to get a kind of an intrinsic link between company and disease and, and development stage. Uh, um, um, made a more direct link which enabled us to do a few new analyses and one of these was to kind of break down company pipelines by the d disease area and yeah we hear a lot of people a lot of uh, companies saying you know they're going to focus on just cancer or just cns or alimentary metabolic etc um, but actually when we actually analyzed that data this year we found of the top 10 pharma companies every single one had at least one a pipeline a project in every single therapeutic area and actually a lot of them have incredibly diverse portfolios still which is mm. probably against what what you might have received wisdom might tell you yeah yeah it's an interesting so in your in your pipeline reviews and not the yeah the r and day reviews each year you you pick a theme I and mean, this year it was um what was it science fiction something yeah. that i'm <laughs> something i'm not hugely uh knowledgeable about um but it it does liven up um the copy definitely can you can you talk a bit through you know why did you decide to do that and, and how do you pick your themes each year yeah so i, th I think I, after having done it for about 15 years i kind of was um maybe it was maybe it was, i was getting a little bit, <laughs> a bit bored, i think maybe but also i think you know at the end of the day, it's a bunch of statistics and I want it to be interesting and, and lively and readable. Yeah. So I started picking kind of a theme on, on which I could base it on. Um, partly, 
you know, to get some analogies in place that you could use and just to make it a more lively and fun read, but also obviously gives us some good visuals to work with for the actual look of the report and the webinar that we do. I think the first one I did was astronomy and I think we've done food and drink, uh, sports, um, uh, uh, animal, animal world, music, music was, yeah, music was a good one. That's obviously my key area of interest outside of work. So that was a good one. And actually science fiction, I thought would be a good one to do uh, about 15 months ago. So really before COVID had really come along and uh, obviously it's, a lot of a lot of the last year has seemed like living in a science fiction film for a lot of us so it kind of did seem very appropriate to do but I, it's really to make it kind of a uh more lively and readable and well if not exactly fun then you know yeah kind of like more digestible than just a bunch of statistics yeah and have you thought of next year's theme yet or is it just too early i haven't actually so normally i've got a few in, in the back pocket so i'm kind of starting to run out of like the really <laughs> obvious ones to do so if any of your readership has got some <laughs> ideas please please let me know i'm sure i think of something though send them through but yeah you mentioned music being um one of your other great interests and um obviously we have a spotify list as well to go through with the report yes we do so the music one i did a couple of years ago is it, i thought it would be fun to do uh kind of a spotify playlist as the theme of the report was music so i picked a, a bunch of songs in the playlist that kind of referred to to drugs or pharma r d in some or, or or medicine in some kind of oblique way uh, and it was so popular that even when we moved on to other themes mm. we decided to do a spotify playlist uh, as well again just a, as a bit of fun so this year there's a spotify playlist with I think 24 songs on which have kind of science fiction themes or or, men, or mentions or the artists are, have a science fiction uh, bent in some way. So, yeah, that's kind of another kind of just added extra just as a bit of fun, really. Yeah. So you can listen to the playlist as you read the report. Works well. Indeed, indeed you can. Yes. Right. Oh, well, thanks so much, Ian, for, for talking about this. Um, if listeners want to um, see the report or, or also the webinar, um, we haven't mentioned the webinar, have we, um, that was done based on the report, where where should they go? Yeah, so the the, the white papers, or as we call them, all the reports, uh, can be found at uh, farmerintelligence.informa.com forward slash resources forward slash thought hyphen leadership if you just if you just google inform farmer intelligence you, you'll find it mm. um that's definitely where the reports are i'm not sure where the webinar is posted there is actually a i think a separate landing page for the for the whole farm r d campaign but uh yeah, yeah we should mention the webinar because obviously you, you you do at least at least half of that these days <laughs> so yeah. we, after having published the reports we always do an annual annual webinar as well where we kind of just uh, show some of the the graphics and slides and i think you've been doing like more and more of that each year i think alex haven't you mm. i'm kind of passing like it over it. to you <laughs> <laughs> brilliant okay well i'll put links to the reports and the webinar in the story around this uh, podcast so hopefully readers should be able to get it if they wish well thanks so much ian um it's really good to talk to you and i look forward to doing it all again next year indeed great to talk to you too thanks alex thank you bye bye, bye.